0: Welcome to the Bobcast episode 16. I'm Stephen Day. Several billion grains short of a bunker when it comes to golf, but my knowledgeable colleagues are here to dig me out. Welcome to Keith McIntyre and Fiona Scott.
1: Good morning, Stevie.
0: Good morning, Morning, Stevie. Morning. Well, it's been a few weeks since we've all been together and it's been a busy time for Bob playing back to back with the Scottish Open, the BMW PGA Championship and Scottish Championship in St Andrews. So what's happened to Bob? Who wants to go
2: first? Don't all rush at once. <laughs> that, that'll be Keith then. Oh, come on, Fiona. Give us the benefit of your knowledge. Come on. <laughs> he's, uh, been,
1: he's been having a tough time of
2: it. He's been having a really tough time of it. Um, starting at the Scottish Open, uh, he, he actually ended up performing pretty well at the Scottish Open and finished tied for 14th. Did really well after a, a really disappointing uh, first round. But over the the next three days he played as well as anyone so i think everyone was quite upbeat and thinking this is him he's coming back um and we thought he'll take some momentum into the the bmw championship and it just never really happened uh we're getting used to him battling to make the cut and he did that in the in the pga championship where he had a Horrible round on the on the Thursday, but came back with a brilliant 68 to make the cut with about one shot to spare. But then the wheels came off over the weekend, and he had two pretty ugly rounds. I think it was a 77 and a 74 or something like that, and it ended up well down the field, about 58th, 59th. Um, so it looked like confidence was a bit low, but going into the competition this the scottish championship at the weekend up at st andrews you think okay this is his chance now because he was slipping down the world rankings slipping down the race to dubai um and it was just horrible on, on Thursday at the Scottish Championship. He had a 78, a six-over par 78. Uh, and I don't think even Bob, with his powers of recovery, was going to recover to make the cut. But it turns out uh, he's been struggling with uh, an injury, a back injury, a hip injury as well. Uh, and he withdrew on the, the late on Thursday uh, and has come off the tour, away from the sort of tour bubble, to get physio on his back. Um not sure if he was due to be playing in Italy on Thursday, but he certainly isn't playing now. And there's only two tournaments left uh, in the European Tour before the the Tour Championship final at the beginning of December, both of which are in Cyprus over the same course. And he's really got to get himself fit and get two good finishes to qualify for the, the Tour Championship final. It's a bit of a tall order now. He's sitting at 68th in the rankings and he needs to be in the top 60 to even get to tee it up in dubai so it's not been great that you know we're really looking forward to the the uk swing of the european tour and it's been a bit of a damp squib for bob
1: Do you think the COVID situation's uh, having an effect on them,
2: Keith? It it was interesting. I was hearing, I was listening to Lee Westwood talking about uh, they're in this very sort of strict bubble uh, when they're on the tour and they're getting tested all the time. And Lee Westwood was saying, you know, I've done three weeks of it and I think I'm just about done with it. I don't want to do more of this. So I think it's quite restrictive. Don't get me wrong, they'll be staying in lovely hotels, but uh, I don't think they can relax and unwind and get away from the golf. It's all consuming when they're in this this sort of tournament bubble, and it will be very new to Bob, this one. So I I genuinely don't know, but I suspect the biggest influence in the, the relatively poor performance has probably been if he's been struggling with a back injury or a hip injury. That's... You know, that's not great for a golfer. I mean everything's about turning from your, your hips and turning through your back and releasing through your back and stuff. So I I would guess it's more to do with the injury. How serious it is, I don't know. But he's struggled with a wrist injury at the start of the season, a back injury now, it's not been great.
0: And of course his split with his caddy, did this happen midway through, beginning end of, of these three?
2: No, that was at the start. He went out with his new caddy at the, the Scottish Open, so um, and the way he bounced back from a disappointing first round, actually I thought, well, the new caddy's doing, doing his job here. Uh, he's sort of keeping him calm, you know, focused and and is enabling him to, to sort of set goals and move forward, but if, if the guy is injured, I mean a back injury is the worst thing you can get as a golfer. You see what it did with Tiger Woods and things like that, so I just hope it's a minor niggle he's got.
0: And what do you think the the split with the caddy was? Is this something that happens a lot? I'd never even really considered it. I mean, you obviously yeah. see the caddy going around and I realise they don't just carry the clubs, you know, they're not just
2: there to do the, the heavy lifting. I mean, it is common. It's very, very common. There's been some real acrimonious splits with, with uh, caddies. And sometimes a player will just use it, uh, not as an excuse, but sometimes something just needs to change. And it's a different voice. I mean, a a good caddy will um, calm a player down if he's getting agitated, getting overexcited, getting over-aggressive or over-defensive or whatever. Um, It's not just about carrying the clubs, but they've got to gel. you know, and there's been a lot of chat about Rory McElroy. He's got basically a mate on his bag, and people have said he's never been the same since. And, you know, sometimes you need a caddy to say, don't be so daft, do this. So um it, it looked promising, uh, the new partnership. And the guy's certainly experienced. The guy used to caddy for Brooks Kepka, who was world number one at the start of the season. So he's not... Not to be trifled with this guy so hopefully a wise head on the bag will help bob settle down and particularly as he's got two tournaments coming up which won't make a break his season and what makes a good caddy <sighs> well not me for a start i've caddied a couple of times and i've been absolutely hopeless at it uh, i just get bored um what makes a good caddy I don't, Fiona, who would you like to carry for you in your quest for your fifty-three and fifty-four <laughs> <laughs> Who
1: would I like to carry? You, Keith. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <really>? <laughs> well,
2: if you fill your bag full of beer and the odd wee miniature of whiskey, I'm your man. I'll be out there right, right then, oh. then and there. Fiona. Well, I,
1: I don't know if you'll get yours in for mine, Keith. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think r- r- Bob maybe needs Nick Faldos, Fanny. I mean, that was one of the, you know, the,
2: the relationships. I mean, she she was brilliant at her job. She was absolutely brilliant at her job, and it was pretty revolutionary in its day. Um, I mean, there's there's one or two female caddies have been out on on uh, on the tour. Um, I think Lee Westwood at one point had his partner caddying for him as well, uh, and there's a few sort of father and sons, and cousins, and things like that that are out on tour. You've basically got to get on. I, th- I think is is the main thing, and you've got to be able to take a bit of criticism. Um, and it can be very lucrative, incredibly lucrative. If you're if you're a caddy, not uh, so much on the European tour, but on the on the US PGA tour, these guys make an absolute fortune because they're on a a retainer. Um, and just before we, we started doing this, I was looking up the retainers. Most of them are on $120,000 a year, the top caddies, and then they get anywhere between 10 and 15% of their players' winnings. So, you know, caddies are millionaires. There was one point, there was a very famous caddy, a guy called Steve Williams, who carried for Tiger Woods during these glory years, and uh, he's from New Zealand. And he was the highest-paid sportsman in New Zealand, caddying for Tiger Woods, which is an interesting statistic since he actually doesn't actually swing the club or hit the ball. But he was the highest-paid sportsman in New Zealand. Obviously, not that interesting because I got zero reaction.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, I'm just trying to get my brain round uh, a caddy being called a sports person. It's that's pretty tenuous in my brains, but. <laughs>
2: I think most of these caddies are very good golfers themselves. I mean, Steve Williams, I think, had a handicap of two. uh, And quite a lot of these guys have played golf at a very, very high level, albeit maybe amateur level. And because they understand the game, they they can offer a bit of insight that a poor sap like me even if i was caddying for you fiona probably couldn't give you any decent advice whatsoever (laughs) i would would be the one that goes keep your head down which apparently is the worst thing you can say to a golfer and so i think you've got to have a, a decent bit of knowledge are there any
0: any qualifications that you require for being a caddy is there anything or can anybody
2: become a caddy I think a thick skin and a strong liver, I think is probably about the best two qualifications that you you need to have. Because I think on tour, it's not so much now because they're all in bubbles. But I think the the caddies have quite a lot of fun on tour. Um, There's a really good book, uh, which I would recommend, which I think is called Four Iron for the Soul, which was written by a guy um, called Lauren Stonegan who, interesting fact, used to be the bass player in the uh, Lloyd Cole and the Commotions, and then became a golf journalist with, I think it was the Guardian, and he went out on tour with uh, and also-ran a, a golfer, I can't remember who the golfer was, and he, he was his caddy for a year, and it's an absolutely brilliant book to, uh, to, to read. It's just really funny, really insightful. I mean, carriers back then were just trying to save as much money as as they could. They were sleeping in campsites, or taking tents with them on planes, so they didn't have to spend money on hotels. It's, it's a great book if you get a chance to read it. I'm I'm not sure if we're allowed to plug things here on the on the podcast, Stevie. But if you do get a chance to read it, it's a fabulous book. How much yeah. commission are you getting for that? I'm not, I was a Lloyd Cohen, the Commotions fan. Uh, I'll give you another interesting fact. He was also the bass player in the Bluebells as well, for all of those who are over about 50. <laughs> I like the Bluebells. Can, can you sing?
1: Uh, no, it's a no, no, that's worse than my golf really.
0: <laughs> that little tune, I thought you were just kind of hyping up to start.
1: Yeah, that's, that's my piano phone.
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to start singing Young at Heart there. <laughs> Now we've we've mentioned uh, COVID nineteen and Bob. But I mean, is is this going to affect the competitions again, or are we going to get to the end of the season?
2: Well, the, the season is coming to an end, and I think they will get through it. But you know, there are still. Um, I mean, Dustin Johnson, who I think he's still number uh, world number one. Well, he is world number one. He tested positive last week, so he's self isolating for two weeks so you know and if that had happened in another couple of weeks time he'd have missed the Masters because the Masters is coming up at the beginning of November um, so in some ways he's fortunate that he's got it now and he'll have a chance to recover but there are there are still players uh, catching it on quite a regular basis um, but I think we'll get through the season now I think because obviously there's no fans uh, and the, the Masters kind of uh, signals the end of the 2020 season in America and the, uh, the Dubai Championship, the Tour Championship in Dubai signals the end of the European Tour. So we're not that far away. So, you know, unless there is a, you know, mass outbreak on the Tour itself, I think we'll get through it.
0: So fair to say for Bob and everyone, lots of challenges up ahead over the next month or so.
2: No, Bob's biggest challenge is getting into that top 60 and trying to remain in the world's top 100. I mean, he's slipped to, I think he's down to 97 now in the world and 68 in the race to Dubai. So that's his biggest challenge. Um, you know, and hopefully we start a new season in COVID, COVID free and they can get back to some sort of normality because it can't have been easy for any of these players to. Uh, play with any consistency when they're not quite sure. Tournaments are getting rearranged left, right, and centre. So it's it's been, you know, it's been a bit of a blip, and uh, hopefully things are a bit uh, better for the twenty twenty one season.
0: Talking of challenges.
2: <laughs> yes. well, here we go. This is about I've
0: been waiting on.
1: Oh dear. oh dear, Fiona,
0: tell us about your Bobcast challenge.
1: Yeah. Okay, so just to remind everybody, because it's been a while since we've been on air, um, I foolishly put myself forward for for a challenge just to give myself some kind of purpose to be on the Bobcast. So it was all to tie in with the the change of the handicapping system, which comes in November the 2nd. Uh, We used to go on the the handicapping system of the Council of National Golf Unions, uh, Congo, which was currently used in Great Britain and Ireland. uh, From November the 2nd, it's changing over to the World Handicap System with a maximum of 54. So because I'm going to be 53 at the end of June next year, 2021, uh, I've challenged myself to achieve a 53 handicap uh, the idea of this new handicapping system is to draw more people like myself that I've never played before, but, you know, fancy a shot at it. So um, I'm hoping that that by June next year I can do this. Um, I've already had three visits to courses uh, round about Open. My first visit was to Craig Newer, where I got some lessons from club captain Steve Wilson, and some advice from Secretary Barry Hoenman, which was a great day out. I've been really lucky with these because the weather was fantastic for all of them and they've just been in the last month. Uh, next up I was at Dalmali where Club Captain Graham McEachney put me through my paces and then on to TNL where Club Captain Carol McClarty and Secretary Maura McVicker were my hosts. So yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. I don't want to give too much away because uh, we have some opinions from the guys I was out with, and I told them to be as brutal as they
0: liked. <laughs> so I hope you've cut it, Stevie and. Uh, well, we're we're here. We've got the first one this week, and we've got Craig Newer. So we'll just play that one out.
1: So here I am at the beautiful Craig Newer golf course. It's a superbly su- sunny day for nearly October, and I'm just about to take my first tea shot. (laughs) Super cracking day. Played my first three holes of my Handicap Challenge um, with Craig News Barry Wenman, and Stephen Wilson. Uh, Stephen's been giving me a a few lessons, and Barry's been just um,
3: getting in the way.
1: <laughs> not getting in the way. He's been telling me all about the the lovely club they have here, and uh, indeed the the course. Uh, played three holes. How do you think I got in, Stephen?
3: I think that your kind of your overall good strike weight was about was about half, about fifty percent, and from where you've started from nothing to there, it's good. The, the the practice shots that you were doing after we gave you the lessons, uh, the majority were going forward, they were going a good distance, and you were getting some lift. Um, it's just a matter of picking the club that's best for you, practicing on the ones that you're perhaps not as good at, uh, and sticking with the putting yeah we're all going to duff shots and you do and it can be a variety of things but you've just started out you know you're right at the very start of it so so what you've doing what you're doing is promising to get an eight on the first hole you know that's what some of our members do you know and that that was a really really good start
1: it felt good at the start which was so so frustrating when the second hole just it all
3: Went peer shaped. It does, it does, but you know, like like we say, if if you do every hole great then you're professional. If you, you have a duff hole and a good one, then you're like us. you are just people who play golf for fun, so so yeah, it, it's all it's down to practice and practice and practice. It's you just gotta keep at it, work at what you know what what your deficiencies are if there are any. Uh, and just keep practising. Then come back next year and burn the course up.
1: I certainly will. Uh, Just for the views, it's absolutely gorgeous out here. Uh, I mean, very lovely course, well looked after, you know, just after lockdown and it's been well used today. Well,
3: you you picked the right day to play, certainly. And uh, you've seen that we've got the green staff out there today maintaining the course. And they're doing a great job this year. You know, it's in really good condition.
1: And you're finding your memberships went up slightly? Uh,
3: we've we've attracted at least what ten, twelve new members this this year since lockdown finished. So it's it's looking good. You know, people are I think trying to get out, get a bit of healthy exercise, and uh, golf is a great way of doing that.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, in terms of of my as you know, I'm I'm trying to get myself uh, a handicap by the time I'm 53, which is next June. Do you think that's achievable, Stephen? Is that
3: Absolutely. If you if you look at the first hole that you did, you scored an eight. So, with a fifty three handicap, um, then that would have been a net five. So, you know, you are only one over par there on the first hole that you've played. So, if you can just maintain that bit of consistency, see, it is achievable. You know, fifty three, the new handicapping system set up to to encourage people to play, um, so that they aren't that far out with the scoring, um, and with three shots a hole yeah you know you say you were one over on that first hole and and the third hole wasn't was much the same I think you were about eight or nine on the third hole so getting very very close to it uh, on the first time out on the course so yeah achievable if you stick with it
1: yeah well it was like I said thoroughly enjoyable and I will be back thank you very much
3: see you again soon so there you
2: go That sounded like it was all going in the right direction. (laughs) A couple of the holes did.
1: We'll we'll not mention the middle one. Uh, That was the one actually, uh, uh, I don't know what I did, uh, but my my shot went away off to the right (gasps) and through through a bush. And we were walking about looking for the ball and I just looked in the bush and there was a dead seagull (laughs) hanging, (laughs) hanging in the bush and I just looked at Stephen and I went please don't tell me I did that and he just laughed and says yeah you did but uh, we found my ball somewhere else so that was not me
2: uh, <laughs> I did not kill a seagull in my first I'd have been keeping that a wee bit quiet funeral <laughs> telling everyone you were a bird murderer <laughs>
1: <laughs> it definitely wasn't me but I think the, the poor thing had got hanged just on a on a branch, but uh, yeah, that was a bit, a bit scary.
2: taking a slightly sinister turn. <laughs> I I think it's a bit of a convoluted way of going about reminding everybody of your birthday as well. That's about the third time I've heard you say I'm 53 next June. Do you want to tell the date yeah. so we can get a card?
0: So you can send presents to Bobcast at UK. Yeah,
1: I'll get about 60 packs of golf balls through the post. <laughs> uh no, it was uh, it was highly enjoyable that, uh, and thanks very much to Stephen for the for the lessons. Uh, really enjoyed the day, and it, it made me just want to go back and play more. So, uh, yeah, th- th- uh, where am I next? Dumb Mally uh, next, so you can hear all about that next time. But I'm finding it. I mean, y- y- you'll have been through all this, Keith if you can remember when you started learning, but there's so much to remember. It's all this head straight straight, or, you know, like you were saying before, you know, eyes on the ball, hips back. Back straight, one arm straight, one arm bent, knee slightly bent. Draw club back. <laughs> you,
2: can, you can get you can get completely bamboozled by it. Um, I mean, I don't really remember play, learning to play the golf. I just remember I just remember going out and playing, and it was when I was you know 11, 12, 13, that sort of age. And I didn't take lessons. I mean, my dad was a was a good golfer, so my dad kind of showed me the basics of it. But we just went out and played. And yeah. I think you can overcomplicate it. It's got to feel natural, um, you know. And I, I I was laughing earlier on about telling people to keep their head down, uh, and that that's all you used to hear. Oh, you, you, you lifted your head. Well, you can't swing a golf club without lifting your head. Your, your neck would snap. you know. <laughs> so you have to actually lift your head at some point. Just don't lift it as you're hitting the ball, you know. Mm. If you try and keep your head rigidly down, you're going to do yourself some damage. So it's, it's about enjoying it, and you'll find your own way. I mean, there, there are so many, especially amateurs, if they try and replicate the perfect swings that the professionals have got they'll never get on and I, you know i'm not insulting you if you but you're not 14 anymore you're not, you're <laughs> not you know you have got to play for enjoyment and that mm. means getting the ball around the golf course in whatever way you, you can you know there's there's no point in trying to become a professional golfer at the age of 52 53 in june as you've you've pointed out um <laughs> So, you know, just enjoy the game. Just enjoy
1: yeah. uh, and it. And I have been, um but it's going to be pretty interesting. I mean, uh, you'll see the photographs and there's a bit of video going online at the end of the week and I'll look totally awkward. Mm-hmm. But all the sport, I do a, a bowl and I deliver awkward, but it's effective. I play badminton, I serve awkward, but it's effective. So I'm wondering if the golfs, if I'm just... You know, if I've just got an awkward gait and that's the way I do
2: things. I've known you for quite a few years, Fiona. I've always thought you has been really awkward. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think I first met you in about two thousand and six or something like that, and I thought, there's that awkward Fiona Scott." That,
1: that, that's so. I never changed. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so, uh, this weekend coming up, uh, I'm I'm quite looking forward to. I've got. Uh, to now, I've been. Uh, running sessions down there where professional uh, PGA golf professionals uh, Heather McCray and Craig Lee. So I'm going down on Saturday, and Heather's going to give me a lesson. So so we'll see. You know what she says. Yeah.
2: About it. No, there's been a lot of good work. I mean, the Scottish Golf I've got come in for a lot of criticism some of it justified but they've got a thing called the women into golf charter which I think has been tremendous for trying to encourage women Um, a load of golf clubs have signed up for that just because you know like not to put too fine a point on it women have almost been treated like second class citizens over the years in golf clubs and that's got to change and the women in golf charter my, my golf club signed up for it and um and we've got to get more women playing the game of golf and more women involved in running of golf clubs as well and get away from this sort of fuddy-duddy old boys network sort of image that the game's. It's getting much better. But still, there's an element of that still in the game. Yeah, I certainly
1: didn't come across any of that at the clubs, the clubs I was good. at. Uh, you know, they were all great. And uh, the ladies, Carol and Moira at uh, uh, Tinalt, uh, you know, love their game as much as anybody I've seen, and uh, they're quite. Uh, you know, they can play along with side the men and challenge the men as well. And uh, that's, yeah, good.
2: that's good. Uh, you're the future. These women are the future. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: on that note, you can, you can see uh, Fiona's progress. We'll have a bit of video uh, sitting on OpenTimes.co.uk, and uh, I think we're out of time folks but thank you very much for all your contributions fiona i'm really looking forward to your your next bit of audio
1: right I'm, of I'm saying nothing about dalmali
0: yeah but yes it's interesting okay okay <laughs> looking forward to it guys thank you bye. very much
2: see you later cheers bye. bye
0: you have been listening to the bobcast the presenters were stephen day keith mcintyre and fiona scott with contributions from barry wenman and stephen wilson The editor was Stephen Day, and it was a Wifex Media production for the Open Times.